Hello, Herd, and welcome to another episode, uh, another piece of the Nerd Herder. Um, I am your Herd leader, John Wayne. I am your Herd mom, Megan. You zoned out there for a second. I was thinking about memes. Uh, of course you were. Uh, <laughs> only the best of the best on Nerd Herder. Welcome to Thursday, the Thurs of Day. Hopefully your Thursday has been a nice day. It's not too bad. It's uh, on the downhill slope of the week so everything's downhill from here yeah oh it, it's friday eve so there's that mm. um that's something to be excited about uh but hopefully your thursday has treated you well if not then you're in the right place uh because we're gonna talk about some star wars which always makes every day better i know i'm in a good mood i got to hold a snake yeah that happened yeah. um today which is wednesday to us Shh, uh, but don't, don't yeah don't <laughs> You don't need to know that, her magic. Um, yes, we just we we speak and it instantly finds its way to uh, Anchor and all of the other wonderful little podcasty platforms. You know, no yeah. no, no time travelly things happening. Mm. Just park I mean, the but think about that for a second. Back. We're in the future. Ooh. Like when you're listening to this, it's it's your Thursday, but we're already there. We've already been to Thursday. We recorded this. I think you might have that reversed a little bit. You know what I'm saying. Anyway. Um, I rarely do. Let's th- be honest. Thursday is a wonderful day because it's the day that we talk about the Clone Wars. Uh, something exciting and fun. Um, this is a show started and dedicated to... Or this this show, the Clone Wars Rewatch episodes were started uh, for the fact that the Clone Wars is coming back. Um, when we talked about doing a podcast, of course, we knew, uh, I knew the Clone Wars would inevitably be involved because uh, it's something you weren't necessarily uh, into, uh, hadn't really watched much of, and I knew I wanted that to be a piece of what we do, and so it just happened that we find out even more Clone Wars is coming. So yeah. this is not just an introductory course, but it's it's a build-up to what's to come uh, through the Disney streaming service. So that's cool. And so we traveled through the original trilogy. Uh, original trilogy. Goodness gracious. Uh, the original series. The 2003 micro-series. And last week we began the real Clone Wars rewatch. Uh, one everybody was waiting for. Uh the 2008 series, the Dave Filoni Cartoon Network Star Wars series. Yes, and it's on Cartoon Network, so they can get away with so much. Yes, as we'll see. It, it, it's just a kid's show, but it gets pretty pretty gritty. Um, and so this is our second episode of this. We'll be talking about uh, the next three episodes on our chronological order list, uh, which you can find on our Twitter and Patreon uh, to kind of keep up with us. But we are watching chronological. Yes. Which means last week we talked about... Season 2, episode 16, season 1, episode 16, and then we talked about the film, because that's the order. Uh, and, and now, we'll actually be talking about season 3, episode 1, season 3, episode 3, and season 1, episode 1. Uh, we forgot it, how to count. <laughs> one, yeah. No, it, all, all kinds of different things led to the stories being told out of uh, chronological order, production issues, and also just, you know, uh, ideas came along later and whatnot. And so, but luckily, us being in the future, 
of when the Clone Wars was. We yeah. can put it in whatever order we choose, uh, but we are putting it in the best order for watching, which is chronological order. So hopefully you're thoroughly confused by this point. Yeah. Not you, the herd. I'm always in a yeah, constant I, I, state of confusion. You, I know, John. you're always confused. So it's going to be fun. Hopefully, herd, uh, you guys had a chance to watch along with us. Uh, if if not, spoiler warning, I guess. Um, but maybe if anything, you'll go back and watch these episodes, thinking of our wonderful, rambly, weird conversations about those episodes. Yeah. And, and, and such, and have that in the back of your mind. Hear us talking at you in your brain mm -hmm. while you're watching the Clone Wars. So. You want to know a really dumb joke? Sure. I heard it today, and I think it needs to be heard by the herd. Mm-hmm. Why is your nose in the middle of your face? Because it's the center. <laughs> mm. Sorry. <laughs> I apologize to your ears. I feel like we can just end the show on that note. And just be done. Goodbye. That's all the content we goodbye, need for her. today. <laughs> I have no. one podcast. Uh, no, no, no. We, we shall continue. We shall persevere. I shall not let bad jokes get me down. We shall not let them stand in the way of our Clone Wars content. So, yeah, without further ado, let's just get right on into it. Let's right into it. Hip hop and the boppity bop. All right, so moving on, season three, episode one, Clone Cadets, is where we begin. Um, the moral at the beginning of the episode, which is at the beginning of every episode, which kind of gives you a tidbit to remember the episode and the point of it, uh, says, brothers in arms are brothers for life. Um, good advice to live by. Uh, the opening narration is, clone troopers unite. As war rages across the galaxy, the Republic's clone army strives for victory against the evil forces of the Separatists. Bravery, valor, and unity. The lifeblood of victory on the battlefield and in space. It all begins on Planet Kamino, where Jedi General Shakti oversees the training of the clones with the help of contracted bounty hunters. Bred to be perfect soldiers, these cadets must first be subjected to intense physical and mental training before heading off to war. Yeah. Quite the setup. So uh, already coming in, it's a, it's quite the interesting uh, concept to see the training process. You know, we are used to seeing clones in battlefield, but this kind of gives you a glimpse into what goes into getting them there, what prepares them, what uh, equips them uh, for their life of servitude and whatnot. Literal um, servitude. I think clones should vote. John, <laughs> we'll have we'll have those conversations. Yeah, um, this is a really good episode for getting close with the clones, getting to know the clones and know the personalities, and really come to sympathize with them as full, independent, unique human characters, not just troopers. Yeah, um, a great part of this episode is that they don't wear their helmets quite a lot, so they they take away that barrier. A little bit to just seeing them as, you know, an, a suit of armor and see them as individuals, yeah. uh, which they strive to be. And I think it really kind of does a good job of highlighting the fact that the Jedi aren't really thinking of the clones as people. They're kind of thinking them. They're kind of thinking them, of them as, like you said, just suits of armor for their bidding. 
Yeah, I mean, and it, and it's very casual. It's not necessarily that. There, uh, we will see some interesting perspectives as we continue in the series, but it, very rarely is it that on the nose. It's just very casual of, well, they're clones. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's just kind of the approach to it. And this episode uh, itself also does give quite a lot to that discussion between the two bounty hunters that we kind of see helping oversee the training, the kind of discussion of, you know, uh, just put them in maintenance or, you know, just give them a lesser job or, you know, honestly, I mean, just get rid of them, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Like, I think we talked about it briefly in the last episode that we did. It's very likely that if the clones don't work out, they're going to be quote unquote decommissioned. Yeah, last week we talked about uh, and we we reviewed an episode uh, where one goes AWOL, where kind of turns on his handlers and you know views the Jedi as slave uh, owners, you know, uh, keeping his brothers from freedom and forcing them to fight their war and all this other stuff. And it, Which he wasn't wrong. He wasn't wrong. That's that's the that's the thing. Uh, you know, it's easy for the Jedi to look at him as just a criminal and just a defect, but at the end of the day, he ha- he thought that because of so the truth that's yeah. kind of behind a lot of it. And so, yeah, more than likely he was killed. You know, I mean, yeah, you're not necessarily going to put him in prison. You know, what are you going to do with him? So exactly more than likely. Yeah. He was de- decommissioned. So onto the story a little bit. So it, it, this is part of an arc called Domino Squad. Uh, and it follows a certain group of clones uh, that we will see grow and mature and develop as a team and as individuals and whatnot. Uh, The unique thing of this is that usually when we do an arc, all the episodes are together. The Domino Squad arc is spread over the seasons, Mm -hmm. I believe all the way to season maybe three or four. Mm. Um, It goes quite a while, which is cool because, you know, obviously they're connected, but they're not necessarily telling one sequential story. They're, they're telling story over time. Yeah. And let me be very honest with you. Every time the domino um, or the domino art comes up, every time I see these groups of stormtroopers, I'm going to be very happy. <laughs> um, I think this is my favorite episode that we've seen so far. Like, it's a good episode. I've gotten very attached to this particular group of stormtroopers or <laughs> clones. And I, I don't like the looks that you give me when I say that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, uh, this is a good time to say and reinforce that you have not seen 98% of the Clone yeah. Wars. And so... Please be kind with her, me. <laughs> yeah, heard, be mindful of that when interacting with Clone Wars stuff. Um, certain things aren't necessarily spoilerish. Uh some things are. So yes. please use good judgment and think that if it's crucial to the yeah. story, it's probably not something to tell Megan. Please don't tell me that someone dies. I will be very sad and probably cry. Well, just in general, someone usually does die. Yeah, it so, happens a someone. lot. Someone. I mean, so, clones are, they're the red shirts of Star Wars. Yeah. Um, Makes me sad. So this is so this was the first episode of that domino arc um, that we will kind of come back to every now and then. Uh, it's it's really interesting to see how some of them grow over the course of the war and the things that change them and whatnot. Um, and actually, 
arguably, it's not necessarily part of the Domino Squad arc, but there's episodes all the way to the sixth season that do connect to it. So it, it really spreads the whole series, um, the whole course of the war, pretty much. Yeah. So this is the beginning and the introduction to a group of clone, uh, clones, clones, <laughs> a group of clones, a, they all smell a group of clone nice. cologne uh, that, that we will follow closely over the course of the show and come to love for sure. Uh, already uh, is the case with you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great episode because it shows us what it takes to turn the clones into soldiers uh, that we're more used to seeing them as portrayed as uh, we, we see them uh, run several simulations in order to graduate and be full-fledged shinies, which is what they call rookies because your armor is all shiny and new. Hmm. Um, their training is looked over and implemented by Jedi Master Shock T, who takes on much of the calmer demeanor in her appearance here as opposed to what we saw as the warrior-like Jedi in yeah. the 2003 series. Which, eh. <laughs> Um... I, I I don't know. It, it's one of those things where if this is your first uh, real introduction to Shakti as a character, you don't have much to kind of yeah go in, and she seems like a great character. And 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 you know, me saying that she's quite different from her 2003 appearance isn't to criticize and say it's a bad interpretation. Yeah, it's, it's just, just it's different. It's very different. Like she's um, much cooler in Legends, I think. Well, I think she was much more action fronted. Yes. You know, she was very much in it. Uh in yeah. Legends and in particular the two thousand three series, she was very featured and very like I said, warrior like. She was very strong and very formidable yeah. um as an opponent. Whereas here it's a lot calmer, it's a lot more motherly almost, which is I think what they're going for with the intent of having her look over the clones is it's the it's mm-hmm. definitely this non-warrior kind of vibe you know yeah. it, it it's very she could teach me something yeah i mean and i've alluded to it before but i think she does have that very motherly vibe but also kind of like a very clinical way of looking at the clones mm-hmm. a very casual you know yeah well, i mean just you know, decommission them. Let's just put them away. That kind yeah, of thing. she she definitely leans to that side when yeah. we see some of those conversations. And I think that's the most common of the Jedi. Like yeah. clones are treated pretty much like droids. I mean, they aren't too far off. Yeah. Um. It it is interesting to have. I mean, I guess really she's there to make sure that no one ter- trains them to be. Jedi killers, you know, yeah. like to make sure like, <laughs> well, yeah. Not like they would ever need that. Uh, kind of uh, a, a contingency for, hey, make sure they turn into the clones we want, uh, especially since yeah. they're entrusting their development and training to bounty hunters, uh, which could easily get a little uh, blurried, yeah. you know, in the lines and such. That's never gone south. Yeah. Um, well, it is interesting to see that they did think of replacing Django afterwards rather than just being like, well, uh, you know, we'll just let the computer take over. You know, it it, it does still have that um, that physical presence, that, that real uh, vibe to it. Obviously, in this case, a kind of drill sergeant-like vibe and whatnot, but mm-hmm. it, it's very different than having a, a computer tell you what to do than having someone, you know, kind of bark at you and 
push your buttons and whatever. So, under her and supervising the clones' training are two bounty hunters named Brick and Ellie's. Uh, it's interesting to see how the Republic and Caminos resolve the loss of their clone template, Django. Uh, it, I wonder how they found them. Uh, you know, going off of Legends, Django went through quite an ordeal to earn the spot as clone template. So, did they hold some sort of tryouts and say who's, you know, or did they just kind of go through Django's Rolodex and say, you know, all right, <laughs> wow. for, first two guys that pop up. I think you just aged yourself there uh-huh. a minute. What? No, I, people still have Rolodexes. Shut up. Um, I have not seen a Rolodex in func- or in use. You're just not professional in enough. years. Um, I just, I, I, I just kind of, I just thought of that of just it, how interesting it would be to figure out how did they find Brick yeah. Um yeah. I, And I may be pronouncing the other, the other. I know Brick is I'm pronouncing right, but Ellie's Brick. is how I say it. It's E L dash L E S. So I just say Ellie's. Yeah. L um, S. But it, it, it's interesting to think about how they pulled these guys in. Maybe they were just the first to say yes, but um, likely they probably weren't doing much else. Yeah. Either way, when we first meet the Dominus Squad clones, uh, they're more focused on fighting and bickering with each other than they are at the task ahead of them. Yeah. Echo, it can't keep quiet or learn to adapt, although he does not like being called Echo. Uh, Heavy tries to do everything on his own, and in the first attempt at the final test, uh, Droid Bait gets hit, and uh, they leave their brother behind on the battlefield. Um, And so quickly, everything kind of just falls apart. They just can't get it together. Mm -hmm. Um, Not one I failed to put in my notes to mention, but there's also fives. Uh, who is part of the group. So you have Echo, Heavy, Fives, and Droid Bait. Mm -hmm. Um, All of whom I love very dearly. Yeah. Um, So they fail the first test, and Brick uh, quickly dismisses them and wants them transferred to maintenance like Clone 99, who is uh, unaffectionately called Bad Batch. Um, He's kind of... He's not not a failed clone, necessarily. I mean, because he's obviously a fully functioning... You know, he's fully functioning... Uh, mentally, yeah, but physically he's frail. He he's quite old. He almost looks ninety nine years old. Yeah, uh, and, and such. And I love ninety nine so much. It's like that scene from Brooklyn Nine Nine, <laughs> where it's like when she gets the puppies and she's like, "I've only known ninety nine for maybe five minutes, but if anything happened to him, I would kill everyone and then myself." <laughs> <laughs> well then. Um, <laughs> It, it's, I feel like he was given that position out of a courtesy because who do they really need? I mean, cause he's the only one we see yeah. doing maintenance and cleanup. So it's kind of like clearly when they say transfer to maintenance, they're talking about actually giving them a broom and mop probably uh, transferred to maintenance. Yeah. That's like file 13. It just means I'm yeah. putting it in the trash. It's like, you know, um, the, uh, this clone's gonna go to the farm. Right. <laughs> We're just gonna send him to the farm with, uh, with Lassie. Yeah, I had a dog who went to the farm. He actually went to a farm, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, our, our, our first dog, Sheba, she went, uh, the first Sheba, not yes. the Sheba you came to know. Oh, my gosh. Um, Poor she, baby yeah, she did go to a farm. Um, so eventually ARC troopers show up to oversee the training and to find uh, the best of the best. And ARC troopers for the uninitiated 
We got to meet them first in the 2003 series. We see them again here, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. um, they portrayed a little different, but overall they're still uh, the commandos. So, yeah. and that's what it stands for is advanced recon commando. Yeah. And essentially these are the, these are the Marines. These are the best of the best. Mm -hmm. These are the guys that you, you look up to strive to be like, you know, drink uh, gasoline and eat nails for breakfast kind of dudes. Have really bad breath. Prob yeah, and definitely. Very heavy, heavy bowel movements. Yeah. Um, but they're cool. Yeah. Uh, and so when heavy, uh, when, when the team kind of sees that, they take it also, at, they, it, it's kind of like a, ooh, you know, we should do better. But it's also kind of like, yeah, but we can't. Exactly. You know, the, the, the team dynamic is basically accepting, you know, hey, everybody's right. We're failures. We're bad batch. We're just yeah. not going to make it. We suck. But um, we suck together. Right. Uh, and so when Heavy uh, seems like he's going to throw it all in and uh, quit, 99 gives him a pep talk and says uh, something great. 99 mentions that he never got his chance, but that Heavy has his now to do the right thing and to lead the team to victory. And so uh, it's it's a really cool – I'm not doing the just uh, the line justice. I'm not quoting it directly. But, you know, essentially what he says is, you know, my chance was never given to me. You have a chance right now. Yeah. Um, and so it's easy to look at, you know, 99 as, you know, uh, well, you're, you're fine. You figured out your thing and uh, we're, we're going to go figure out our thing. It's clearly not being a squad. Yeah. It's clearly not being soldiers. And he's like, I mean, I feel like 99 has the spirit of, uh, what every clone should embody. Yeah. He just doesn't have the physicality to follow through with it. And so, you know, like you said, his chance was taken away. They were just like, he'll never be a soldier. Mm -hmm. uh, but heavy and, and the, the, the squad have a chance squad right goal. now. They have a, they have a chance to uh, be the soldiers that uh, 99 believed that they could be. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's a really great moment in the, in that interaction. And, you know, 99 is just a really sweet and, and nice character. Anyway. Precious. Um, so Heavy takes it to heart, and the team worked together like never before to succeed in the most difficult scenario that was also tampered with by Brick. So they're already in the hardest of simulations. This isn't necessarily the Kobayashi Maru. Kobayashi Maru. Kobayashi Maru of Star Trek. Uh, yes. It's meant to be beaten, yes. but uh, Brick uh, takes away their ascension cables, their... their um, uh, their wall climbing cables, yeah. basically, uh, which is an essential part to getting the flag uh, to end the simulation. Yeah. Uh, they still manage to work together and, and make it all happen. And so by the end, the, the clone squad is uh, coming closer to who we uh, will know them to be in, yeah. in, in a few episodes. And for the uninitiated, <laughs> the Kobayashi Maru is basically your last test when you go to the Starfleet Academy. Mm -hmm. It is meant to be unbeatable. It's it's basically a simulation where either you fail and all of your crew dies or your crew lives, but you fail the mission. Mm -hmm. So it's literally unbeatable. Yeah. Um, and it's famous because Kirk, he Cheated. beat it by cheating. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because the real test is about how, how do you handle failure it's not about not failing it's about how you handle the failure yeah. which is in in and of itself a great lesson in, yeah. in whatnot but um so yeah so this is meant 
meant to be beatable. It's just very, very difficult. It requires that you work together. Yeah. So um, the ending is very nice. Heavy gives 99 his medal and, um, you know, then they kind of set off their, their official shinies now. They're, they're on the front line soldiers now. Uh, so no longer cadets, full-fledged troopers. So Yes, and I have a bad feeling about this. As you should. Um, yeah, it's just all around a really great episode. Oh, yeah. Um, I think we've kind of stopped and highlighted a few things that are really great. Um, some cool things to note uh, is that the test that Commander Colt, which is the leader of the ARC troopers in this, um, the simulation... Uh, reference is version THX variable 1138, which references uh, George Lucas's first film, THX 1138. Mm -hmm. uh, 1138 pops up quite a lot. Um, cell block 1138 is where Princess Leia was held, and uh, the THX itself also pops up quite a lot, and so there's a lot of that little nod. Uh, what? what was that? THX. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh my goodness. Um, so some new voice talent that comes to this episode uh, is we get Larry Brandenburg as Brick. We get Nolan North uh, as Elise, and he's the he's only one I know. Um, <laughs> he was in Halo Wars, Halo ODST, uh, and TMNT, the, yes. um, the movie, the not movie the series. with James Arnold Taylor, who was James Arnold Taylor was... Uh, Leonardo, I yeah. believe, and I, Nolan was yeah. Raph. Yeah, I was about to say, don't quote me on this. I think he was Raph. Yes, he was. <laughs> uh, he was also. He's also the guy of Uncharted. Uh, yeah. I don't know his name. I don't play those games, uh, but um, he's the Uncharted guy. Yeah. Uh, he's also several Transformers. Uh, <laughs> several in various once. shows and uh, in the Cybertron games and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So he was Elise, uh, and then Tazia Valenza. It plays Shakti, um, wow. and so that's a name. Yeah. So, and, and of course, D. Bradley Baker is all of the clones, and that's pretty yes. much your whole voice cast, as always. That's everybody. It's um, basically a ten-minute episode of D. Bradley Baker having a most, conversation yeah. with himself. Um, and he does give something to every clone. He tries. You know, obviously, yeah. if he voiced a hundred of them, it's not quite. You don't quite get that. But in the, an episode like this, where he's playing a squad. He gets to get the personality of each character and really gets to do something a little different with yeah. each one. I mean, Echo had that very, you know, teacher's pet kind of whiny. Yeah. Heavy was very gruff, uh, you know, sibling of his kind of brutish uh, yeah. inclination in nature and whatnot. Um, yeah, I mean, you get, you get those hardier... Uh, qualities that come through in, in his acting, which is just yeah. another reason why D. Bradley Baker is uh, a very talented man. Oh, yeah. So as for the bounty hunters that we meet, um, Brick is a Sinatine, also known as a Rataki, uh, native to the planet Ratataki, native to the planet Ratatak. I Sorry. have that Pokemon. I have several of them. <laughs> yeah, everybody does. Um, this is... Uh, actually the world where Ventress was raised. Uh, and, and this is still part of um, her canon story. We talked a little bit about that in our review of the first OG Clone Wars episode that we did, mm -hmm. in the, our first Clone Wars rewatch. So if you want Ventress's history, if you don't already know it and 
haven't checked out our first episode, that's a good reason to go check that out. Yeah. But also, um, watch the original Clone Wars. Yeah, also, that is also Just straight true. Just straight up. <laughs> um, and so, he, Brick represents the native species of that planet. Uh, they It looks like they've got giant brains. They really don't. That's just um, their head. <laughs> like, I, I, what, what I'm trying to say is it's not it's not their brain. It looks like that. It looks like uh, it could be a giant brain, but it's not. It's just their head. I mean, they could have a giant brain yeah. under that, but that's not their brain. It's kind of like that weird episode of SpongeBob where he shaves off all the rest of his sponge and he just he's yeah, just, just a brain got his on head. Stick. Yeah, um, it's kind of what Brick looks like, but yeah, uh, yeah not his brain. Sinatine uh, is actually an anagram of Einstein, though, which is in reference to the big brain head. Uh, nice. But again, not his brain. <laughs> um, Elise, though, uh, is an Arcona. Uh, which is a species who first appeared in A New Hope during the cantina scene. When you first come into the cantina scene, uh, that sort of Dorito-shaped head with bright yellow eyes that pops up, that's an Arcona. It's amazing. Uh, That Arcona is him, Dazan, um, from that scene, which was just a puppet with light-up eyes. Uh, Very different than what we kind of see. Uh, uh, Obviously, this is digital animation, but he's given a full... Yeah. Look, I mean, he honestly, in the cantina scene, it looks like he could just be a stick. Like, yeah, below that's... his neck, you don't expect to see a body. That's what I thought it was at first. <laughs> yeah, but he does have um, a body. Uh, but during production, his name, as most cantina characters had, a very silly generic name. He, his was T-Head. So you had things like uh, Yak Face, Bat Boy, uh, Walrus Man, pig and nose. T-Head. Yes, yeah. Pig Nose. Um, so yeah, we've kind of peppered our thoughts overall, but I, I, I think we both agree. Yeah. Best, best episode of these three, uh, you say of all you've seen so far. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think it's going to be my favorite episode overall, but oh, I no, liked it that, quite a bit. Well, and that'll revolve quite a bit as you go through, you know, people, yeah. people that say they have a favorite episode out of 121 episodes. I mean, <laughs> you're wrong. It's much easier to say you have a favorite arc because mm-hmm. again, it, it's very difficult since there's so many arcs where only a, an episode is only a part of the story to have a favorite episode is, it would be very, very, very difficult. Yeah. But this is definitely very fun. It's very cool um, to yeah. kind of get the glimpse. I said, like I said, and you know, come b- behind the curtain of what goes into making the clones, the clones and, and whatnot. Yeah. And, and it gives you the more of those fun discussions that we kind of started on last week of the whole clone rights and what mm-hmm. what when does it cross a line, which yeah. clone lives we can matter, get into guys. quite a lot. Yes, hashtag clone lives matter. I need that t-shirt. Um, I'm, I'd be surprised if it's not already. It is a t-shirt. You sent it to me. Is remember? It? Did I? Yeah. Okay. I'm you glad you remember. No memory. <laughs> I don't. I, I just pretend. I nod and wave. Um yeah, so definitely a definitely a great episode. Yeah. You know what? I think most of your memory problems come from like you've jammed so much Star Wars knowledge in there that everything else just like <laughs> falls out of your ear. That's actually very plausible. <laughs> uh, there, there's a lot of Star Wars going on up there. Uh, I know my Star Wars and I know my Bible. Uh, which, what else do you need in life? I agree. You know, I mean, knowledge-wise, obviously you need like air and water and. 
tacos, but you know, knowledge wise, what more do you need to know? Tacos. <laughs> Jesus and Star Wars. And uh, which, if you were to create a Jesus and Star Wars Venn diagram, in the middle would be Obi Wan Kenobi. <laughs> it happened again. An old person shared that picture of Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah. I did it intentionally uh, yeah. recently where it was a picture that said, you know, y'all need Jesus in it. But this time it was Qui-Gon. Yeah. Uh, I liked that. I liked that a lot. Let me be real with y'all. I really, really doubt that Jesus looked anything like Ewan McGregor. The man was yeah, no. born and raised in the Middle East. Let's be real with ourselves. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, if you had a choice to look like Ewan McGregor. I mean, if anything, it's a compliment to Ewan McGregor that he looks... Like, he could be the son of God. Like, you know, you're just that beautiful. Heavenly beard. Right. Exactly. And rest of his face. Yeah, just all of his face. Yeah. Very we, beautiful man. We here at the Nerd Herder Podcast are big fans of Ewan McGregor in all of his glory. And his face. And his face. Um, which is not in any of the episodes that we're going to talk about today, though. Sorry. Oh, no. I mean, I, I, I think I kind of peddled that <laughs> sideline, but... Hey, Heard, what's your favorite Ewan McGregor movie? Uh, yeah. You like Big Fish. I love Big Fish. It's such a good movie. If you have not seen that movie, I highly recommend everyone try and find a non-Star Wars film of a Star Wars film actor mm -hmm. to fall in love with. Mine is Big Fish. I think mine might be um, Velvet Goldmine. For Ewan McGregor? Yeah. Is that the one I'm thinking of? Yeah. Nah. <laughs> Mine is much more appropriate. It's a great movie. <laughs> sure. It's We're got, not going to talk about it's it. It's got Christian Bale. It's got Ewan McGregor. It's got Eddie Izzard, John. Okay, I'm done. He, it's he, still questionable. He arm wrestles people. It's got great soundtrack. Uh, yeah. Just like a certain magazine has great articles. Whatever. <sighs> All right. Uh, but yes, uh, if you haven't seen Big Fish, go see Big Fish. Don't go see the other movie. And if you want to see Ewan McGregor slightly naked, oh my gosh. watch. Not a good reason to watch a movie. No, it's not. It, watch the movie because it's a good movie. Questionable. But anyway, moving on up. That was okay. the cue for transition. Okay, sorry. <laughs> and now to a more sane and uh, family-friendly conversation after that wonderful little sideline there at the end i'm family friendly we move on to season three episode three supply lines um staying in season three skipping an episode uh one thing i didn't mention in the last one going especially since the next episode we talk about is literally the first episode it's season yeah. one episode one you see the progress in production value and, you know, you see where the budget went up and oh, things improved and uh, storytelling uh, yeah. found its footing and whatnot. Um, and I'll say that the order that we're watching it in, the story makes a lot more sense. Yeah, and you'll continue to be uh, thankful for it as you go along. So um, this is another fun episode, I think. Uh, this is probably, out of the three, the second best episode. Yeah. Um, honestly, we're reviewing them in the order of their uh bestness yeah you know uh, i think our first episode was the best this is uh the next best yeah. and then the the last is a fun one yeah and i'll say this episode has my favorite portrayal of a certain character that i'm not necessarily a fan of there you go that's progress a, it's a little hint yeah 
So uh, the moral of this episode is where there's a will, there's a way. Um, mm. Just a generic old adage there, really. Where there's a tuffet to sit on, there's curds and whey. What? Little Miss Muffet sat on her tuffet eating her curds and whey. Okay. Never mind. Uh, the opening narration for this episode is a world under siege. The Separatists have launched a massive offensive against the planet Ryloth. A, bro- a blockade of deadly battleships has cut off any support for the dwindling Republic defenses. Though they have fought valiantly with the help of Twi'lek freedom fighter Cham Syndulla, hope know. is fading for Jedi Master D and his men as the droid army closes in. Um, this is a very simple episode uh, with a very simple story, but it... It's the journey from uh, issue to solution mm-hmm. that creates a good episode. Yeah. Um, it was. I thought it was a really good storytelling episode. Yeah, well, and this is a great glimpse into the window of how the Clone Wars handles politics and, of, of the prequel era well and makes it interesting for a kid's show. Uh, and I think that's the thing is they're writing for a... a, a they're writing is very good for the audience which means that it's good for general audience yeah if that makes sense so the you know the gist of the idea is that ryloth is under siege uh the republic is defending it but their resources are dwindling to the point that uh the twi'leks are suffering um uh, for resources and so although the twi'leks uh have been helping uh they have to think of themselves and their people and families Mm -hmm. um, and decide, hey, we need resources so that we can go to the mountains and hide uh, Mm -hmm. to protect ourselves. And so uh, the Republic forces under Jedi Master Ima Gundy, um, (laughs) he requests supplies. The nearest ship uh, attempts to offer support but comes under attack and uh, is inevitably destroyed. Uh, But before being destroyed, sends a signal to the Jedi Council to request uh, legitimate aid Mm -hmm. for the planet and for the people. And so the idea is getting these resources to these people. The responsibility of doing so falls on the shoulders of a favorite uh, amongst senators with most prequel fans, um, Bail Organa, uh, voiced here by... Uh, once again, by Phil Lamar, uh, yeah. who just does a great Jimmy Smith's impression. Yes, he um, does. <laughs> I enjoy the bits where we get to see uh, Senator Organa, and, and, and again, they do the politics well. So the idea is that, hey, we have, we need to resupply and load up to be able to help these people. So we need a nearby planet that we can use as a kind of setup mm-hmm. to get things ready so that we can help them. Um. It's very much, essentially, we need to get here. We need somewhere in the middle where we can stop and get everything together and then make the final jump. They couldn't. They can't just go straight to the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get into the here and there's in the specifics of why not, but essentially that's what yeah. it is, is. They need somewhere in the middle where they can set up and uh, get things together, and then they can get the supplies where they need to go. Yeah. So, in looking for a planet in which to do this, they find the planet Toydaria. Uh, Toydarians are is, is Watto's species yes. uh, from the Phantom Menace. 
really cool to be able to see their planet, uh, see more of their culture and people. Uh, It's also interesting because originally uh, Watto was accused of being very uh, stereotypically Jewish in style, Mm -hmm. whereas here they take up a much more kind of Indian Middle Eastern kind of uh, providential kind of culture. Yeah. Uh it it's it's an interesting shift. I think it works for the story. Mm-hmm. Um with the design but... that we see, it's very it it is very uh Indian in mm-hmm. nature. Yeah. It's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, and so uh Organa is sent uh help with the negotiations, which you could argue he didn't need. Uh but it turns out to be lucky that he was sent help uh in order to make the the plan go through and so the help he's sent is a senator from Naboo which we get this great little scene where he's like oh great you know Padme's a great negotiator and they're like yeah she's busy right (laughs) uh so we call the next best uh and so uh Jar Jar uh is who is sent yeah representative Binks is sent along with uh Organa to help see the mission through he said Jar Jar Banks, yes. Um, Ahmed Best does actually return to mm-hmm. uh, portray Jar Jar, which I think is great. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Jar Jar is very much in the middle grounds of useful and funny in this episode, which is perfect Jar Jar because it, it, yeah. it, it's a balance. He's yeah. never, in my opinion, too much. Yeah, which is very easy to do with Jar Jar. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and I, yeah, it's a great balance. Yeah. And so they managed to make him very useful to the story mm-hmm. um, other than for comedic purposes. So what seems like an easy negotiation. So they show up to Toydaria, meet with King Kutunko, um, who is the leader of the Toydarian people um, and government and whatnot. Uh, meets with Bail Organa and Jar Jar. And they plead their case. And it really seems like, okay, this is an easy episode. He's about to agree when... Uh, Trade Federation representative Lot Dodd shows up. The freaking Trade Federation, aka Bureaucrat Central. Yeah, so this is this is a very realistic um, political portrayal of, yeah. you know, you have one side of a war reaching out to a peaceful people. Uh, the Toydarians are neutral, which is yeah. what the negotiating uh, is for. They're basically Sweden. Yes, so you have one group approach them and say, hey... We need to pass through your system to aid these people as they are affected by the war. Mm-hmm. Would you help us, you know, in in restocking, refueling, and, and preparing to help these people? And so it's a humanitarian effort, but, you know, enter in the other side who says, you know, we're not the bad guys in this, but we are saying that if you help them... It's going to look like you're picking a side. Yeah. You might just be helping the locals, but it's not going to be seen that way. It's going to be mm-hmm. seen as, you know, they're going to see the flag on the shipping box and say, okay, that's whose side you're on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's essentially what Lot Dodd comes in to do is to kind of throw a gear and uh, a wrench in the gears and say, hey, think more carefully because, you know, if you decide to pick sides, you know, the Republic doesn't like the Trade Federation. And so the Trade Federation might just pull out your trade lanes and say, no, Todaria is part of the Republic now, that we can't help them. Mm-hmm. Essentially saying, hey, 
help them and all your resources are gone. Yeah, which help, which happens a lot in real world politics. Yeah, that's what I said. It, it, it's a really great, I mean, it's a great parallel of a sucky situation that's very real and relatable. Yeah. Um, so we get a lot of that, again, that's done really well of the back and forth of how do we make this work for everybody? Inevitably, uh, King Katunko kind of shrugs it off and says, hey, we can't help you. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, and, and and comes up with a plot with Bail Organa to get them the help that they need. The plot involves that they all come together, the uh, Lot Dodd and the Trade Federation representatives, Organa, uh, Jar Jar, and the uh, Toydarian Council, they all come together for dinner. Mm-hmm. And Bail Organa is going to kind of see himself out to deal with something uh, undisclosed, and Jar Jar is going to be the the distraction yeah uh and he does this really well and i pointed out that there's actually a kind of tragic irony to uh what he does to distract he does a lot it's very performy very street performance like hey look look at me don't look out the window just look at me Mm -hmm. um there's a moment where he balances plates on uh sticks yeah and then like knocks them down Catches with them, that kind of thing. Yeah, very, very circusy, um, yeah. very uh, uh, clownish, mm-hmm. and whatnot. Um, and it's tragically ironic because of the fate of Jar Jar post Imperial regime. Mm-hmm. Uh, essentially, you know, he's very shamed and becomes a street performer uh, who's kind of pitied and ridiculed and and whatnot. So it's very sad to kind of see, uh, which you would only kind of get with reading some of the novels and whatnot, but. It, it's a it's a layer where you're you you see something deeper than what it's portraying. It's it's meant to just be a gag, but obviously, there's another layer when you when you yeah. know that story. Um, but anyway, yeah. and say what you will about Jar Jar, he was a trusted senator. Yeah, trust trusted under supervision. Under supervision. Uh, yes. You know, I I don't think he's meant to be portrayed as some significant intellectual character. I you no. know I think that's the thing is. Uh, but he has a big heart, yeah, and he wants to help, and that this is a semblance of him uh, helping uh, in just the right way, in in a way that suits his talents, yes, uh, if you will. <laughs> and I, I enjoyed myself while watching. Yeah, it was it, it was a, it was a good episode uh, all around, and so mm-hmm. ultimately the plan works. So the Republic gets the supplies they need. They head to Ryloth and uh, get the supplies to the Twi'lek people again. So what happens is, you know, the Twi'leks are helping the Republic up until it becomes too dangerous. And so the Twi'leks are like, hey, we've got to protect our people, number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to pull out to protect ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in order for us to stay alive, we need those re- resources. So uh, they do get the resources in uh, Jedi Master die and... Um, his men kind of just hold off the droids long enough for them to escape to the mountains yeah, uh, and whatnot. So it ends with Jedi Master Die dying, of course. Um, as well as his clone commander, Killy, um, and all of the troops. So it it's kind of a poignant uh, victory, yeah. uh, sort of a victory at cost yeah. kind of uh, event. Victory. Uh, yes. Uh, the people get to live on. Yeah. Uh, which is the hope that um, Jedi Master Die uh, dies with, is yeah. is is that 
the they will live to fight another day uh, and they do yeah it may be ironic but i thought he was gonna last longer <laughs> uh i i had hopes because i remember back when this was still new and airing and everything like this we saw some promotional stuff for uh jedi master amagundi and um his clone commander killy and you know uh it was one of those things where you get a brief glimpse and you're just like ooh, this is a new character this is uh it's an alien character he's a nikto he's a red nikto uh which i would i was always fascinated with because um i i had a red nikto jedi figure from the attack of the clones line he had one very 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 brief scene in mm -hmm. Attack of the Clones, where he ignites his lightsaber, and that's it. <laughs> and yet, I loved him. Yeah. I he also... I remember what you're, which one you're talking about. Yeah, and he also had um, a very interesting color palette. Uh, you know, obviously being a sort of brickish red colored uh, alien, uh, he had a gray tunic, which was interesting, brown pants, and then a very light tan robe so it was a lot of different colors that made him stand out mm -hmm. uh overall just a very interesting character in looks alone mm -hmm. so as a kid i loved this red nikto character um and so seeing amagundi show up uh it, it was a lot of uh nostalgia there mm -hmm. um you know and then kind of getting glimpses of him in the episode uh he's very gruff very stoic you know he yeah. If you had gotten more of this character, I think we would yeah. have all enjoyed that. Which, if you've watched the 2003 um, Clone War series, you kind of see a little bit of him. A little more of him. Am I thinking of the right person? Mm -mm. See, I thought he was... Um, I thought he was with Shakti in... No, no, no. Uh, that's an, that's uh, Roran Krob. Uh, he's an Athorian. Gotcha. No, uh, different jet, different Jedi, different species. My apologies, sir, and madams. No, uh, in, in betweens. Well, it, but you know, when you just hear the names and all that stuff, it's yeah. easy to kind of trade one for another, Im uh, image-wise, you know, yeah. and whatnot. Um, no, uh, but again, another great, uh, great Jedi character that I love, uh, just simply for being different. And that's the greatest appeal. I, you know, I, I stand by that some of my favorite Jedi are just the weird ones. That's um, why you married me. <laughs> uh, I, I love weird and different. Um, so, uh, but anyway, so yes, I think we would have all enjoyed to see more. I think he had potential to be uh, much more and, and be a great character. Mm -hmm. um, Definitely. And so, yeah, I, I but my original point was that, yeah, I thought, okay, original character, going to go on we're gonna see some cool action out of uh and he's he served a purpose and and that was it yes. uh which you he know, lived up to his name yeah um it, <laughs> it it is significant to note that you f you care when he dies at the end yeah um and the brief i mean the, the focus is on bail organa and jar jar binks so the little bit that you get with him they build enough of a character that when he dies you're you're behind him you know it's a heroic sacrifice and you're just like you you're feeling it uh, in in his final stand and whatnot so great on the writing team for that um and so uh as i mentioned uh phil lamar 
of Futurama, Justice League, and uh, later to be Kit Fisto, uh, is Bail Organa, uh, Senator Ornfrey Ta, um, who is the Twi'lek senator, uh, uh, the representative of the, of the planet on the Galactic Senate. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the fat chubby guy. Yeah. Um, when I first learned that he was a Twi'lek, I was a little surprised because, because of two things. Yeah. Number one, he's very large, so he doesn't look like your typical Twi'lek, which it's meant to look like that way. Because if you look at yeah. your average Twi'lek in this episode and in, in future episodes, very malnourished, very uh, scrawny. Mm-hmm. Uh, they look like scrappy fighters for sure, but yeah. they're clearly not uh, gluttonous. Yeah, and I think that's what we see most of when we look at Twi'leks in Star Wars media. Yeah, um, and so there's a kind of political... Also, just kind of storytelling undertone to the the simple visual of yeah. you know a, a, a large senator representing a very uh, depleted uh, people. Yeah, uh, it's you know clearly I do believe Ornfrey Tai is is we're led to yeah think that he does care about his people, and I'm sure he does. But it's obvious that that's in great need. Mm-hmm. not all the time yeah. um it, that's what i gather at least i i you know we're we none of this is told to us this is assumed that you know we're meant to take from the little story cues of the character design that he's very gluttonous of the you know coruscant uh yeah. uh status and, and and whatnot all that he has uh uh resource wise as yeah. uh, for being a senator uh, he kind of you know stuffs himself with all of those goodies yeah. and yet still you know looks behind him and promises his people that yeah i'm taking care of things don't worry i, I i'll i'll get it sorted out and all this yeah. other stuff you he's know. like super comic guru yeah <laughs> um so that's that's one is he's he's starkly different than the typical Twi'lek uh, species, but he also has more than the typical Twi'lek uh, in terms of uh, tendrils. Yeah, it makes me think, like, is that the first place they gain fat? What, their chin? Like, well, <laughs> yes, their chin, but also, like, is there fat in their tentacles? Yeah, his are his are large <laughs> as well. Um, he has, I believe, three. So he has one down the middle, and then he has two that come down, which... You know, typically when you look at a Twi'lek, they have the two that go back. Yeah. So, again, visually he's very different because they come down the side. Um, This may be a dumb question mm -hmm. that I'm probably going to regret the second I ask it. Bip Fortuna, he's a Twi'lek, right? Yes, he is. Okay, good. Um, I didn't want to be dumb. His species are kind of subterranean Twi'leks, which is why he's much lighter skinned. Yeah. Um, they're also uh, manicurists. Yeah, uh, he has such fabulous. Well, they all nails. they all have nails, uh, quite dangerous nails. Um, fun fact: uh, Bip Fortuna's cousin shows up in Rogue One briefly in a scene as one of Saw Gerrera's freedom fighters. That's amazing. Um, but yeah, so his his group of people live in caves, majority which is what leads to the pale skin. The average skin is. Uh, blue, green, or orange of mm. Twi'leks. Um, typically, males show more orange than anyone. I believe I've seen at least that's what I've seen. Majority is males typically 
are uh, orange, but there's also, of course, blue and green. Uh, yeah. Whereas the women are majority blue and green, mm-hmm. but we also do see uh, a few orange. There's also one of Jabba's dancers who's actually a pink Toilek. Yeah. So. Yeah, I was um, going to ask about that. Like, does that show up? It, you know. I think that was just like a visual choice. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, of course, a lot of things were done just for the simple, the immediate storytelling, not for the greater storytelling. Yeah. Um, nothing was necessary. Not a lot was necessarily thought as in advance um, as we typically get now. Um, <laughs> very tiny muse coming from coming a very people. tiny cat. There we go. There you go. Um, the most famous Twi'lek, arguably, though, would be Ayla Secura, mm-hmm. um, who only entered into uh, canon and made her first appearance as such in Attack of the Clones because George Lucas saw her on a comic, a Star Wars comic, and said, yeah, I want her in the film. Yeah. Um, really interesting factor there. Uh, and so uh, she's arguably one of the fa- uh, the most famous and well-known other than Ula, which is the green Twi'lek who is the dancer in Jabba's Palace in Return of the yeah. Jedi that gets fed to the Rancor. She gets Rancored. Fun fact, the actress that played her played Ula in Return of the Jedi, returned almost 20 years later to shoot additional scenes for the special edition. That's crazy. And looked exactly the same. She's a robot. It's it's quite fascinating. Um, Anyway, got off on a (laughs) tangent there. But anyway, so Phil Lamar, Bail Organa, Orn Frita, um, Brian George portrays King Katunko. Uh, he may not sound familiar, but I'm pretty sure most people have seen him. Um, he appeared in Seinfeld um, mm-hmm. as a sandwich shop owner. He appeared in Deep Space Nine, and he's Raj's dad in Big Bang Theory. I know exactly who you're talking about now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as soon as uh, I saw that, it, you know, um, as soon as I saw who portrayed King Katunko, I was like, yeah, that's it. Yep. Like, you you all of a sudden hear it in, yep. in, in, in his voice and whatnot. Yeah. So, uh, which also does, again, serve to kind of make those connections to a very Indian-like inspiration for the Toydarian culture. Yeah. Which is interesting. Um, then we have uh, Robin Atkin Downs as Master Imagundi, or Imagundi. I, I, I kind of go back and forth sometimes. <laughs> because... When you read the whole thing, you I kind of am inclined to say I'm a gun die. Yeah. Um, I'm a gun die. Uh, but usually, uh, when I say just Jedi Master D, it sounds better than Jedi Master Die. <laughs> you know, I, it, they it's all weird. do. Anyway, uh, I got some back and forth on the pronunciation of that, but yeah, say it how you wish. Uh, R- Robin also played Cham Sindula, which if the name sounds familiar, obviously yes. This is Yay. Hera's daddy. Hera's daddy. Yes. Who so we have a little, um, an action figure of now. Hera. Oh, of Her- yes, yeah. Hera. We're still looking out for Kanan. Yes, we picked up Hera at Disney during our last yeah. visit, which was very nice. It was very, the only one on the shelf. Yeah. Uh, completely surprised. I, 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 it's one of those cases where they found it in the back, in the back and we're like, eh, just put it on the shelf. Yeah. 
Um, um, I don't know if we've called it out yet, but we also have a cute little, a little droid that we got same day. Well, if you well, want to know more about that, yeah, you're gonna have to watch a video on Patreon, and we'll show but, him to uh, you. He's so cute. Yeah, there's lots of lots of fun adventures to talk about from our last trip to Disney. Um, so yeah, follow us like... on Patreon. Get connected there so that you'll be. Uh, ready to receive that goodness. Yes. If you like Star Wars and you like pins and you like and Disney, Disney, all that good then stuff, then go watch the movie. Yes. Go watch the the thing. Do um, it. Then we have Gideon Emery, uh, which is a very nice name, uh, yeah. who played uh, Lot Dodd. Uh, and of course, as I mentioned, Ahmed Best returning as Jar Jar Binks, which is yes. great. Uh, if you can't tell already, uh, Jedi Master Amagundai uh, is. Essentially, the phrase, I'm going to die. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, they had fun with this. Uh, and, of course, um, I did mention his clone commander is... Actually, I, I want to say it's Captain... K- I think it's Captain Killy. Now, I may have given him a prom- promotion. Um, <laughs> either way, his name is Killy, which, of course, kill. Uh, and then the admiral that uh, Master Die reaches out for help from is uh admiral doa which is an animal anagram it's an animal it's an animal anagram animagram my goodness (laughs) it's an anagram of doa which is dead on arrival yeah uh so all uh, all kinds of fun had with uh the naming of these characters in this episode which is not the last time we get some fun little um tidbits yeah in in there and whatnot so uh i mentioned again you know master die is a red nikto um, very common original trilogy species and uh, whatnot. Chamsadunla is, is, oh, I already mentioned that, Harry's yeah. daddy. <laughs> uh, he does have some more significance as the Clone Wars goes on. Yeah. Um, this episode, uh, I don't remember if I read the title, uh, it's Supply Lines. Um, this episode is interesting because it serves as a prequel to two things. It's a prequel to the next episode that we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, after which, you know, the King of Tordire is like, hey, I don't really like the Separatists that much. Maybe yeah. we can work out something with the Republic. So there is, that's what the next episode's about. And then later on, um, we, in, in season one, we get an arc, uh, the Battle of Ryloth, uh, which is a continuation of the events of this. Yeah. Uh, where they finally do liberate the the uh twi'lek people and whatnot so yeah. it, it, it's interesting how it's a double prequel yeah and another small piece of trivia which if you're a fan of hp lovecraft i don't know if it was intentional i'm not sure about it but um the planet ryloth is very similar to um Rylech, which is uh the place where cthulhu is asleep <laughs> under the sea could be. I don't know. I, yeah. didn't, I, I didn't look into that. Yeah. There you go. There you go. So, you like Cthulhu? You like Twi'leks? In, in indirect connections. Yeah. Um, so yeah, again, I think out of the three episodes we watched, this is definitely my second favorite. It's a good episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I think all of the political handlings of the Clone Wars is really great. Oh, yeah. It's very well done. Uh, and, and again, I think it's because it does it for a younger audience. It works for a whole audience rather than, you know, a lot of the prequel politics and storytelling, especially the Phantom Menace can go over heads a little bit. Yeah. You're following along with the events, but not necessarily 
the motivations and the reasons. Yeah. Um, this does much better to kind of slow down and un- make you understand what you're getting because of the moral within it and the, the, the story deeper within it. And, and it chooses to very closely mirror uh, some relatable real world events, which, which George Lucas obviously had real world things in mind when he did the politics of the, the prequel oh, yeah. as well. But I think, you know, here it's given mm-hmm. better life and better voice. Yeah. Uh, and so that aspect's fun. And then of course you get great glimpses of characters. Um, and this is a great example with master uh, D or die um, with how in the clone wars, you're going to get introduced here and there to characters and that's all you're going to get. And yet you, you love them, you enjoy yeah. them, you think of them uh, fondly and whatnot. And so great props to the, the, the writing uh, behind these characters and the development. And of course, the direction from Filoni and Lucas and whatnot. Yeah. Cool stuff. All right. On to the next episode. On to it. And so now we move to our final episode of this episode, um, which it's the last of this, but the first of it all. Episode one of season one, Ambush. Yes, and this was kind of the episode that really confused me on my first viewing of the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you don't get very much story mm-hmm. as the first episode, but as I said, you know the way that we're watching it this time, it certainly lends a little more context. Yeah, uh, it's it's interesting how it you know we have two introductions essentially to mm-hmm. the clone wars you know you have the um you have the numerical release where you would begin with this episode which has it has its level of introduction technically honestly we have three introductions to the clone wars yeah so you have you know if you rewind to the beginning what came first is the film mm-hmm so first we're introduced to the Clone Wars by the film. Then the show comes out and we're introduced to the Clone Wars series by this episode. Mm-hmm. And then when season two comes out, we realize, okay, there's a, a something before all of the rest of it. Uh, and this goes before the film, which goes before the first episode. All kinds of interesting things. And I think yeah. all three serve to introduce different in different ways for different reasons. Um, a large thing behind the scenes of this episode, uh, uh, it was originally, uh, as we see chronologically, it was set to appear later. And they chose to bump it up as the first episode uh, because they thought it was very generically Star Wars enough to be introductory for anyone. Mm -hmm. And I do see that. I do see this as a very simple, just Star Wars episode. Uh, But if anything, that's why it's a very, a very simple, small opening. Yeah. Uh, at, you know, when you're when you're coming into the Clone Wars, it, it's it's a very calm, simple uh, introduction, mm-hmm. as opposed to you know the film, which has a very very well done cinematic introduction, really delves you into uh, the point of the war that we come into. Uh, but then, even aside from that, you've got a very interesting introduction when you go all the way to the intended first episode of season two episode 16 um where you're kind of just thrust into it you're just in the middle of the conflict with that yeah so it's all very interesting and and it it really does matter how you start 
uh, to determine how you enjoy the ride and ultimately how you uh, finish. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think this does better in the place that it's introduced mm-hmm. um, in terms of how you enjoy the story and whatnot. It's a good episode, uh, but you know, for the reasons they picked it as a first episode, it also works against it to be a little too simple. Yeah. Um, but it's good fun. I, I, if nothing else, it's simple yet fun. Yeah. And the story certainly holds a lot more water with context. Right. Ha- watching this after supply lines, you have more context. You have more, uh, there's more stake mm-hmm. in it for what's decided as far as what side does uh, Toydaria, the planet, take. Um, and so without further ado to get into it though, yeah. <laughs> um, the moral of this episode is great leaders inspire greatness in others, uh, which is very true. Uh, you know, be someone who inspires and encourages other people. Plenty of people that are butts in the world. Don't be another butt. Mm. Um, Amen, sister. The opening narration is a galaxy divided by war. Peaceful worlds must choose sides or face the threat of invasion. Republican separatist armies vie for the allegiance of neutral planets. Desperate to build a Republic supply base on the system of Toydaria, Jedi Master Yoda travels to with, uh, to secret negotiations on a remote neutral moon. And so this, again, is uh, linked to the previous episode, Supply Lines, where we first are introduced to the planet Toydaria, first introduced to King Katunko. And he gets his first experience of kind of being stuck in the middle of the conflict with the Republic and the Separatists. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Separatists kind of leave a bad taste in his mouth. So he, he reaches out. He says, hey, I'm willing to negotiate and quite possibly join the Republic. Give me a, Send me your best to give me a reason to do so. Yeah. And, of course, so they send Jedi Master Yoda, um, which, of course, this kind of mirrors the sort of political uh, peacekeeping mission of the Phantom Menace, where you're sending Jedi to negotiate and settle a disagreement between a trade company and a planet. Yeah. Like it, it's, it's interesting, uh, you know, how the Jedi choose to involve themselves, especially since yeah. it's Jedi master Yoda. Yeah. But they can't get involved. They're neutral. Right. Um, it's very interesting that, you know, Qui- Qui-Gon says in The Phantom Menace, you know, it's like, I can't fight a war for you. And yet, you know, you 10 years be. later, we see where, where the Jedi are. Yeah. Um, I think we can all agree that the, the conflict would have been a lot different had Qui-Gon still been alive. It would have been interesting. Very, 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 very interesting to see what he would have thought of things. Um, I feel like, I, and again, my hope, would have been that Qui-Gon had lived longer to influence Anakin a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel like that would have created a little bit more strain for Anakin uh, during the time of war. Had Qui-Gon died just before the war really uh, blew up, um, you still get quite a lot of time with Anakin and Obi-Wan um, to develop their relationship a little bit, but you also give them more reason to have a strain in the sense that Anakin's already kind of not by the book, yeah. uh, having been kind of raised and taught by Qui-Gon. Yeah. Uh, I think it really would have served the story for Qui-Gon to live longer, but I also feel like 
he could not have been in the major conflict. Yeah. Uh, I feel like he, he would have had quite, quite a lot to say about that. Yeah. Honestly, I think he'd be very quick to kill Anakin should the need arise. Yeah, I mean, well, and, and, we we know from legends he had experience with failed apprentices. Uh, yeah. uh, his apprentice, uh, Darth Xanatos, um, uh, I believe he was a Darth. Anyway, he was definitely a fallen Jedi. Yeah. Um, but it, interesting things to think about. Um, so here we are again with a Jedi handling political things for the Republic. Um, so Yoda's on his way to Toydaria to negotiate with the king to convince him that putting his trust in the Republic is the right thing to do. Um, but Yoda is not the only one invited. Well, he is the only one invited, but Ventress invites herself. Yeah. Um, and so she challenges the capability of the Republic, um, and uses the appearance of a separatist frigate that attacks, uh, the Republic Corvette as a show of, Hey, they can't, you know, protect you if they can't protect themselves. Yeah. Uh, Yoda and three clones hop into an escape pod and launch for the planet as the Corvette escapes. Seemingly, the Separatists have proven that they are uh, superior to the Republic, only for Yoda to call in and say, Hey, uh, we're here. We're getting there. It's all fine here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there becomes this kind of game. Uh, it, it becomes this bit of a challenge where Ventress says, All right, fine. That didn't work, but I still bet that my troops can take down the Jedi uh, or at least prevent him from getting here. And so Yoda says, no, I'll get there by the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And so the challenge is, if he can get there, then he proves that the Republic can handle themselves and thus handle protecting Toydaria. Uh, if he can't, then clearly the Separatists are the better choice in the matter. And that's the majority of the plot. Uh, that That's essentially the first five minutes that set up the rest of the, the episode. Uh, so what follows is we get Yoda and um, Lieutenant Thyre and two troopers named Jack and Reese uh, mm-hmm. who join Yoda in slowly making their way towards King Katunko, uh, towards the center of the sort of forest area that they're in. And, um, you know, there's the here and there battles of, you know, everything's fine. Oh, there's droids. We'll fight them a little bit. Everything's fine again. And, you know, these, it, it, it's it's very simple, you know, like I said in the beginning. We do get a great moment where they kind of take a break and Yoda, you know, tells the clones to take off their helmets and he kind of shows them their individuality in, in the sense of, you know, very similar to what we got in Clone Cadets where, you know, all right, this one talks too much, this one's too uh, gung-ho and this one can't stop following orders. This or, or, one's this one, Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> And so you get this kind of, you know, you, you, you all look the same, but you do this and you do this. And so you're, you each have, uh, your unique talents and whatnot, um, that make you, you. And, and so, uh, and then there's a final battle with the droids, uh, with tanks and all they brace, they basically bring everything, um, which, I mean, it's master Yoda. Ventress is an idiot for thinking, she had enough droids to, to face Yoda in the first place. Yeah. You know, it really showed her pride that she was like, it's just the little green guy. It's, it, it's just the little Jedi. It's no big deal. He's old. He's crippled. He's fine. Mm-hmm. I can handle it. Um, 
And she really doesn't do much anyway. She just continues to send droids at them yeah. uh, until the final conflict where, you know, uh, the clones work together with Master Yoda and wipe out the competition. Uh, the episode comes to an end when Yoda and the clones arrive just in time to stop Ventress from assassinating King Katuko because it's kind of a, well, if you won't join us, then you won't join anybody. Yeah. Uh, which clearly someone would have succeeded him and then been like, yeah, I'm definitely joining the Republic because the bad guys literally just assassinated my king. Yeah. I mean, I, I could see the Separatists trying to say, hey, look, the Jedi assassinated this king because he wouldn't join them. But I, I don't think they had enough evidence or grounds for it. Yeah, that worked out so well with the Hut situation. Right. Um, I, I like to assume that that was their intent is that they would somehow turn it on the Jedi. Mm -hmm. Or they would say, hey, look. You know, some evil person was able to kill the king with a Jedi right there. You know, they're incomparable. Uh, they're uh, they're incompetent and, you know, incapable of uh, leading the galaxy to change. You know, put your trust in the Separatists. I mean, there's a few different political spins they could have taken with it. Uh, but no need because Yoda stops Ventress and Ventress manages to escape by setting off some fireworks. Uh, uh, a, a small little explosion in the background. Yeah. And a very generic, haha, I'll get you next time kind of yeah. exit. She's practically claw from yeah. Go Go. You're from, yeah. Next from time, Go. gadget. Next um, time. Voiced by Frank Walker, by the way. Yeah. Uh, which, uh, fun fact, you can't tell in Transformers G1 uh, because of all of the uh, synthesizing that they do to the voice, but uh, Frank Walker's voice for Soundwave is just his uh, Dr. Claw voice. Yeah. It's just covered in synth. <laughs> um, so there's your Transformers trivia for the day. You didn't ask for it, but you got it anyway. Life with John. Um, and so, yeah, that's really the end. You know, King Katunko obviously at that point is like, yeah, I'm definitely joining the Republic. And, you know, all's well that ends well. And so it's a very simple uh, kind of caught in the middle story of choosing a side. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it, that's kind of the big deal. And, of course, you know, an emphasis is put on the fact that, you know, Yoda inspires the clones to be more than just generic. You know, they, yeah. they, they clearly think very by the book of themselves and, eh, we're just clones. Yeah. Nothing nothing much to see here. You're going to die soon. May as well die as an individual. Right. Um, well, Thire doesn't die soon, as, as we'll talk about. But, you know, the, it, very simple story. And I, I I think that's what serves as a good introduction, but also serves as a very meh introduction yeah it because doesn't tell so, you a lot yeah it, which again you know you can go back and forth of that's why it works but that's also why it doesn't work it's a fun episode again uh if nothing else you can definitely say you enjoy the episode uh but it doesn't have great weight to it and it, it doesn't bring anything vastly significant the most significant thing is that we see toydaria join the republic yeah um which does come into play later on um, so it, it does add to the overall story, but it does it in a very simple, but fun way. Yeah. So good. It's a good episode. Just of the three we, we watched for this. It's, it's, it's the number three spot. Yeah. Um, so the troopers that accompany, uh, Master Yoda are Coruscant Guard shock troopers, who are specifically assigned to diplomatic missions. So um, 
these are the guys that go with senators on negotiating missions and all this other stuff. Anything to do with handling the affairs of the Republic, these guys are your bodyguards for it. Um, so they're specifically trained to handle these kinds of situations and these very important matters and whatnot. Um, so it makes sense that these would be the clones that would go with Yoda. They're, they're of course, they're very trained, uh, highly trained, very efficient. They're the secret service of the clones, uh, kind of, you know, is kind of the vibe we're supposed to get from them. So they're not, by being political escorts, they're in no way lesser than clones. Uh, they're very significant and, and very, um, very trained individuals. Uh, but if anything, it, it kind of turns them into kind of, it makes them very bland mm -hmm. because usually these would be the clones further away from the action. They're mostly to do with, again, escort duty. Yeah. So although they're very by the book and very well trained, they don't necessarily get to experience it. Or, or do anything with it very yeah. much. At least not at this point. Yes, not yet. So, um, of the clones that we see again, I mentioned that uh, Jack and Reese are the two troopers that we get. Uh, but the important one is Lieutenant Thire, who would later become a commander of the Coruscant Guard, who was very close to the Chancellor. So close that he was the trooper who reported back to Palpatine that they could not find the body of Master Yoda in Revenge of the Sith and later escorted Chancellor in retrieving Vader on Mustafar. So you actually get to see Thyre again later in Return of, uh, Revenge of the Sith um, in those two scenes. Yeah. It's hard to tell because they don't give him any commander indication or anything. He's just in generic uh, shock trooper armor, which does make it difficult to know which rank and character, or which uh, person you're talking to. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, are you the commander? Are you the commander? Or, you know, <laughs> there, there was no indication are you Spartacus? Um, of who Thyre is. But the, Thyre is the one that talks yeah. in, in those two scenes. Um, he's the one, again, that says, you know, couldn't find a body. And in the other scene, he's the one that says, yes, sir. Uh, that's it. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's Thyre. Um, and so uh, it, it's really cool to get that. I enjoy, I like the shock troopers. Um, I, I now have a Imperial shock trooper helmet yeah. up there. Um, it's very cool. I have a couple of clone shock trooper, uh, figures on, on my shelf and whatnot. I just like the design. I love, I like the color red. Uh, I think red works as a very telling, uh, and in, in intimidating color for, uh, clone yeah. groups. And so, I'd always enjoyed the shock troopers and I already knew of commander Thyre. Mm -hmm. Uh, so seeing Thyre brought up here in this first episode was a cool little connection for me when I first watched. Yeah. I think the next helmet that we're on the lookout for is just a regular old, uh, clone trooper helmet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you see us at Star Wars celebration, just walk up to us with one and give it to <laughs> us, please. Cause give those us are very helmet. expensive. Yeah. Uh, just in case we meet Mark Hamill and faint, we'll need a helmet. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, that, I mean, that's really, that's really it. It's such a simple episode. We don't really have that much to, more to say about it. it you know, uh, it, there's some really good Yoda action, I think, in this one. And both in his action of wisdom, as well as his action with the lightsaber. 
you know, I think it's a good balance of Yoda kind of getting some swings of the saber and, and doing some cool things mixed with his very typical kind of here, let me give you some wisdom yeah. kind of uh, character. And so definitely some good stuff from Yoda. Um, but a, a simple, a simple note to end on uh, yeah. really with that episode. Not much else to really say about that. That's all I got to say about that. With that, uh, we come to a close really. Um, I think this episode um of our show reviewing these episodes of that show. Uh, <laughs> I think we got some good episodes of conversation pieces and some, uh, lots of interesting little bits here and there and whatnot. Uh, and both, uh, supply lines and clone cadets, I think definitely give way to a lot more deeper conversations, uh, d- deeper political conversations, deeper, uh, you know, human rights and equal opportunity conversations. Lots of interesting things you don't necessarily think of when you think of Star Wars, um, but that Star Wars makes us think of. Yes, um, very present. And, you know, all that said, and, you know, this is still a kid's show, I say with uh, finger quotations and whatnot. Um, you know, I've voiced before that I don't appreciate a lot of things just being uh, dismissed as a kid's show because... Um, I, th- I think it makes it feel like it's not for all fans, and Clone Wars yeah. is definitely for all fans. Rebels is for all fans, and Resistance is for all fans. It, yeah. all, you know, the fandom as a whole is in mind with these. Um, oh, absolutely. Even if it is being targeted towards and marketed towards uh, a younger audience. Yeah. Um, you know, uh we we just went hunting for a couple of young reader books uh, from Star Wars. Um, I know full well in looking for those books. Uh, we didn't find them. No. I ordered them on Amazon. <laughs> but um, I know full well in looking for those books. Those books weren't written for my age. They're going to be very simple and fun. Uh, but that they're going to have something there that's going to make the story worth it to me. Yeah. Some sort of lore connection. Some little fun interaction. Something there that wasn't necessarily written with John Wayne in mind, but mm-hmm. yet reaches me. Yeah. Uh, and so to say that it's just for kids really closes a door to other people. And I think that's why a lot of people yeah. get defensive when you say that about some things is because it's like, it, it closes a door for me to be able to enjoy it because it's just a kid's show. Uh, yeah. I think. Uh, and so I, I, I prefer to just say that it's star Wars. Yeah. It's, there's the great thing of star Wars is that there's something there for everyone of yeah. all ages of all depths of fandom of all, uh, you know, specific, uh, fandoms and, and, and whatnot. So I think the clone wars is the best example mm-hmm. of that. Rebels does a really good job of that, especially in season three and four and such. And I'm, I'm fairly sure Reb, yeah. uh, resistance is going to do that. It, I'm already very, very excited for that. Yeah. So, Great stuff. We are now uh, five episodes into The Clone Wars and, of course, a film. Five episodes in a film in. Uh, and, you know, you already have a favorite so far, which is yeah. great. Um, and so next week we're going to talk about the Malevolence arc. Uh, one of my favorites, a really good one, and gives us some great Plo Koon action and General mm-hmm. Grievous action. So lots to look forward to. 
Sounds uh, spicy. And that. It's going to be fun. Um, let's see. Uh, I don't think there's much else. Yeah. I think that's about it. Again, if you are not sure um, of exactly what our chronological order looks like, you can go to StarWars.com and look it up there. They have that there. Uh, if it's easier, you can go to our Twitter where we have our uh, podcast schedule for the Clone Wars uh, rewatch there so that you can um, see what we're going to talk about on what episodes. Uh, so not just see it in chronological order uh, from the show's standpoint, but see what we're going to talk about when yeah. as well and whatnot. Either way, um, it's out there on the interwebs if you need to find it. Uh, I do recommend, again, keeping it close to you as you're watching along with us, or maybe you're just listening to us talk about it. Yeah. Uh, but hopefully we encourage you to uh, we've given you a reason to go back, rewatch it for yourself, maybe with something interesting in mind, something else in mind that we've talked about. Um, let us know out of these three episodes, what was your favorite? What was your favorite part of the episodes? Um, and all that good stuff. You can let us know on the Twitters and the Facebooks. Yeah. Uh, and if you aren't already, follow us there. Um and consider following us on Patreon. We already mentioned a little bit of what we have in the pipe uh, for Patreon. Just finished a little bit of um, work on some more things that we're going to be putting there as well. So now is a great time to connect yourself to Patreon to get even more Nerd Herder content. Um, lots of extra goodies and whatnot. While you're there, if you enjoy us and, and consider us worthy of your contribution, then consider gifting us. Uh, with your support, a uh, dollar a month can go a long way. Yeah. Um, send our cats to college. Yes. Hashtag send our cats to college. Uh, to college. That's really what we're raising money for. <laughs> uh, get these kids a proper edu education. So they can freaking pay some bills. Something. Yeah, do something around here. Um, all that fun stuff. Twitter, Facebook, Patreon. Uh, make sure, if you like this episode, to rate review wherever it is that you consume your podcasts and share us around. Tell people uh, that you like about us and that you like us. Yeah. If you like us, we hope you like us, please, um, you know, help uh, the community, the herd uh, family to grow by uh, putting us everywhere and anywhere that you uh, can share us with your neighbors, your cat, your boss, uh, the guy that you sit next to on the bus named Phil Everybody, you can Hi, Phil. just tell everybody about <laughs> us. Uh, yeah, tell us that we're tell them that we're the bees knees and whatnot. Yes. Uh, until next time, uh, we're coming to close of another yet another week of Star Wars uh, podcasty content. So yeah, really cool. Um, I have been your herd leader, John Wayne, and I have been your herd mom, Megan. And remember to stay scruffy, and may the Force be with you. Bye!